Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome. Are you passionate about creating amazing podcasts? Terrific. You are in the right place. This is Pod Talk, short conversations with podcast creators that are not just about podcasting, because I like to take the scenic route. My guest today is Scott Edward Smith. Welcome, Scott. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Um, you're sometimes I like let what is the podcast this person did? I let it go to the end, but I want to bring it up up front because I want to talk about it right out of the gate. So you did, among a whole bunch of other things, you did a podcast called Intimate Fame. Uh, people should go listen to it. I always think it's depressing. My podcast player marks it as inactive, which makes it sound like it's a thing that's not worth listening to. I'm like, no, 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 you definitely want to go listen. It is, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it is a neat little, I'm going to say radio play audio drama because I know you'll be okay with that. I listened to the beginning, the first episode of all three of the series. So there's three separate people's stories. And I thought that was like super neat because it's a different experience than I could have gotten if I had been following it from the beginning. So I, I went for a walk and the length of my walk was determined by the sum of three episodes that I had pre-downloaded. And I listened to um, Wallace, uh, Maryland, and James's episode one. So I think what I wanted to talk to you about most is there's a lot of, I want to say wisdom, but I don't want to oversell it. There's a lot of wisdom in radio that kind of evaporated like radio is just a hundred years of, you know, I'm like thinking about Orson Welles's radio play about war of the worlds. I mean, people freaked out and thought we were actually being invaded. Like this is not just the hit record, <laughs> which is what I'm doing. Yeah. And I, I think there's something that I don't want to say it's lost because it's still out there. And there are people like you who are still crafting those kinds of experiences, but I'm wondering what are some of the big pieces of that, history of audio drama that you maybe grabbed and tried to put into the podcast? Because I don't feel like you were trying to literally make a radio play, but maybe I'm wrong about that. No, um, I was actually forced into it because of COVID. Um, <laughs> Great show. Nice time. I, I, I have had a, <laughs> a very blessed career in terms of writing for television, movies, and theater. And I was in a place pre-COVID where I was writing uh, one-person plays for um, name above what we call name above title actresses, famous people, and um, it was all historical characters. So I had done Wallace Simpson, Duchess of Windsor, I did Marilyn Monroe. Did James Dean? Um, we're about to finish up on Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, Alexander the Great, Mary Queen of Scots, Sammy Davis. There's a lot, so it's kind of a thing. And then COVID hit, and um, there was no theater. <laughs> there was no filming. <laughs> um, so this. The, the, it's radio drama, audio drama, radio drama, whatever you want to call it. I had to, it was like, what else are we going to do? You want to put it out there? Um, I had actors and actresses. Um, uh, one of them had done it at the Edinburgh uh, Festival. 
so, and, and traveled with it. Uh, so it was like obvious. It was just like, well, you got to do it. And the, the, the most, I think the, I'm going to say it right out of the gate here. <laughs> I don't know what happens after this, but <laughs> I got to tell you, as a writer, as a producer, and quite often as the director, um, taking material that is meant to be seen and being told, you have to make this work audio. Nobody's going to see what you think. And having to transform wasn't story, it was words. So that the words were more specific. It made me, okay, so how long was this? What, two years or something? We went through this nightmare. And we're just getting back to putting stuff on Broadway or in the West End or, you know, the stuff. Uh, uh, the, I, that's where my heart is. It changed how I wrote and also how I spoke because I had to learn this medium, um, which gives you no visuals. You have nothing to work with, you know, and you just can't say the things that you do in a play or a movie or a television show. It's a, it is words. It's always words. So I am so conscious of that. And now I'm writing stuff that, yeah, we'll film it or we'll film it. <laughs> we'll stage it. We will, we will do audio recordings of it. Um, but I know I can look at the new stuff I'm writing and going, I didn't used to write like this. I write like this because of COVID, because I I was forced to have to go and like, oh, it's a, there's a podcast world. Um, and I'm not an IT person. So um, people helped me through that. And we figured out how to create intimate fame. And um, it's a radio show. It has sound effects. It has music. It has all these things that we brought to it, which now I'm not going to stop doing it. We're always going to do an intimate thing. But now that, you know, Broadway's open, the West End's open, the, the, we're doing theatrical shows again, movies again, it still has completely affected the way I use words. So th that's been probably the great gift out of this mess. <laughs> of a disease. Um, so anyway, uh, I, that's an, I think that's a very enlightening. Are there, <laughs> are there maybe snapshots of, so it, it sounds to me like maybe you can really see 
when you look at a finished piece that you've written, like, can you give me some snapshots of like, oh, I, I chose to to maybe not bother unpacking a whole idea, or I actually decided to go there. No, there needs to be this acoustic textural detour that goes here because words aren't enough. I'm just wondering, can you point to some of the specific imagery differences? Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I think the earliest was with um, Wallace Simpson, Duchess of Windsor, which was... That was a stage show, and it had a great run at the Edinburgh Festival, came back to the United States, had a great run here, and then COVID hit. Um, And it had a lot of effects in it and stuff. And then when we decided, well, let's record this, (laughs) and we didn't really know what we were doing, and... um, We built it, and I started seeing you can't have – people aren't going – because it's not visual, they're not going to see it. And I just kept building words into it so that there was a narrative – um, and it became a lot more for the actress. And it was interesting because um, Marilyn Monroe was written the same way. It was, it was always imagined that this is a one-woman show um, eventually. Uh, but this was written during COVID. And, but I wrote it so that it didn't matter. If your eyes were closed, it wouldn't make any difference. Yeah, that was the feeling that I got with Wallace. When I when I there were parts of Wallace where I actually stopped walking like a weirdo in the middle of the street. And and I was like, I literally f- would believe I'm sitting in a theater with my eyes closed. And part of that, like I knew some of the backstory, part of that was like, oh well, probably it's because of the actress who's doing this. I could just imagine this is a, a person, you know, f- physically embodied in a in a stage set. Um, but even with the the episode that I listened to of Marilyn, the I don't know, am I giving it away? No, it's in the first episode. The the fact There's that <laughs> the fact that the that the photographer is not really present. I mean, like you you hear some of the Polaroids hitting the floor and like you you begin to understand the photographer's process and these things. It was just until she arrived, I felt like I was staring at an empty set. Which, which doesn't really make sense in an audio drama because <laughs> an empty audio drama would be silence. But I felt like I was staring at an empty set, and then the actress arrived, and then the play began. You know, and so I I just thought it was really amazing how one could convey. You know, I haven't been to a ton of theater, but I've been to enough that I I I kind of know. You know, there's like a language right to that about how things work and. It, it came through you know, and I have not listened to more than a handful of proper radio dramas. Um, so I was just, it just really struck me as like, this is, it's an audio only theater experience. It was just really interesting. Yeah, it is. It, 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 <laughs> I didn't go into this going like, Oh, uh, let's do podcast commerce or something. You know, that this wasn't <laughs> like, yeah, it wasn't. And trust me, as the conversation we're having, um, I'm happy to hang out on a podcast and talk with people about stuff. 
But this was how to, if this is the only channel, if all we have available, and this is during COVID, um, is like, well, I don't know. What are you going to do? Just sit around and not watch TV, not do anything? What are you going to produce? Um, I was like, well, let's turn them into radio dramas or audio dramas or whatever you want to call them. And, uh, and this is important. This, this is one of the great changes that happened in it was that, um, cause we were taking Wallace at first, which had already been a success. It was a stage show. It was headed towards Broadway. It was, this is where the, the trajectory was going. <laughs> and, um, that all stopped. And I was just like, well, you want to record it? And so, re- and it's interesting because if you listen to Wallace, um, there's a lot of sound effects. There's music. I do some voiceover stuff. There's a, uh, and there's a lot of sound effects. Um, and I was really very, very fortunate. This amazing music composer, um, artist, Chesney Hawks came into my life and Chesney decided to write original music for all of the shows. So you listen to, in, in terms of my podcasting world, you listen to Wallace Simpson there's a lot of sound effects and stuff going on in it. And that was the first thing Chesney and I did together. And then we moved on to Maryland. And I wanted less. The background thing, just the sound noises and stuff. I wanted it to be more music cute, like the, the podcast. Mm. The sound you heard that wasn't audio was more music. And then by the time we got to James Dean, it's completely that. It's extraordinary. And James Dean, there's stuff going on that sounds like it's gear shifting and, you know, in a sports car doing this. It's all music. And so... I had the great pleasure of moving with this. Chesney's insane. <laughs> he's, he's a huge star. And that he got into this, like rewriting audio in music form for a podcast um, was extraordinary to me. So um, that has been great. And um now we're wrapping up Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, which will be a lot of fun. Um yeah, so that is it. It's it's evolved. I, I, I assume whatever podcast form you're working in, it's always evolving. Stuff moves, you learn stuff, and that's it from you know, the stuff I do, which is, let's call, what do you want to call it? Audio drama, radio drama, whatever. <laughs> um, that's, 
you know, that's the market I'm kind of in with podcasts um, mm. for now. And now that we're on the other side of, I hope we're on the other side um, of this pandemic, that um, these projects will all turn into live productions. And you can see these amazing actors and actresses do these roles um, and have a fun night at the theater <laughs> or a movie. This is all could be Netflix. It could be anywhere. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, <laughs> I talk about myself in the third person. Craig's mind works differently. <laughs> when I when I listened to uh, Wallace, I, I, I mean, okay, I'm, you know, I'm making a, point, I guess, or a hypothetical, but I could have been convinced I was in a theater, like a full-on theater with set dressing and lights and light direction. And yeah, there's there's clearly more actors and actresses here. They don't have speaking press, but it was just like, it was a big production in my mind's eye, even though I couldn't see any of it. And then when I got to Maryland, I would have swore I was in a black box theater. Like in my mind's eye, I saw three clothing racks. Go listen to the episode. It'll make sense, people. Three clothing racks, one A-frame ladder, and like a glaring spotlight. And then they, and everything else was just like the black box theater. Um, so my question is, I didn't know what to do with James Dean. When I listened to that, I'm, I was suddenly like, I, I, I can't be, I must be, I'm outdoors. I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, is that a construct that I'm... I mean, I don't think you did that on purpose. One was visualized as one, then a black box, and then you have something else in mind. But does that strike you as a reasonable assessment of those pieces? And if it does, what do you visualize James Dean being staged as? Like, how would that work? That is awesome. And you should be my publicist. (laughs) Uh, I just like, you so nailed... um, because Wallace, I mean, Wallace had been out for two years before the pandemic. You know, it was running. We were looking at an you know, international tour. We were like, it was all this stuff was supposed to happen. And then like, boom, <laughs> nothing's going to happen. Um, and that's the first one I kind of struggled with. And I was like, oh, okay. How do we make these things visual in an audio sense? And hopefully we did. Um, People seem to enjoy it. And then Marilyn, I wrote during the pandemic. So I was aware of it. I wasn't writing it for audio. I was just, uh, and you're dead on. Your black box concept and what it looks like and that, yeah, there's the second character, but he's just a flash. He's a bulb. You do yeah, never like see him. right over my shoulder with the camera. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's maybe part the, of I'm picturing the, the I'm picturing the Polaroids fluttering at my feet. I mean, like I was I was in the theater getting hit. <laughs> yeah. Now that's see that's my you know look whether it's a movie a play a television there's always a hook and the the Marilyn hook is at. She's in a room with one of the most famous fashion photographers that ever lived. And uh, he has a lot of interest in her. And they're there for like three and a half days, nonstop. And and I'm just like, 
but we never see him. The lights go off. You see him. You know where he is, which is where we are, the audience, sitting out in the house. And, and that goes on. And then I'm glad you brought up James Dean because, again, it's the hook. I got to tell you, and as a writer, as somebody that's like, well, what am I going to do next? And why? Um, why am I doing this? And I read a lot of research. Yeah, that was biographies. <laughs> I look at stuff. And the thing on James Dean um, was a book about his last 24 hours. When he got up that morning in Los Angeles and drove up. He thought he was driving up for a race in um, Salinas um, and got killed. Um, and it's extraordinary. It's really intense. Uh, and that's where I felt like the radio play and the audio play and the podcast really came together. Because I felt like this is all words. This is all about what you hear and take in. And again, I mean, we was really fortunate to work with Chesney Hawks and that he built this amazing music score behind it. You're like, that's gears changing. That's engines. That's turning a corner of a road. No, it's not. It's all music. And um, that's where it got exciting, where I felt like, oh, this is what podcasting can be, if that's what you're into. If you're into audio drama, radio drama, whatever you call it, then this works. And I just knew. So that black box that you saw around Maryland when you get to the third one around James Dean um, is even less. It's words. It's words and music and stuff just coming at you really fast, really hard, um, which I think plays really well into um, podcasts because um, it's all audio and, and we'll run with it. Um the thing on the other side of it, Elizabeth Taylor and, and Richard Burton, is actually just the opposite. It's like, no, there are, it's two characters. They're on the same stage. They never talk to each other. <laughs> they talk to you. And it's funny in my head. So we'll see. But so it kind of goes back and forth. We, you know. I'm, I'm torn between asking. I'm, I'm going to go with the, the question I really want to ask, which is, please, do you do you think it's harder to do these kinds of conversations that we're doing, or do you think it's harder when you, like in this case, we talked, you know, in a previous call, and and the setup we did today was I basically declined. I told you, like, here's where I'm going to start, but there's there's no roadmap. <laughs> I'm not showing you the roadmap. Um, do you think it's harder to do that? 
then it's like, or is it harder when you actually know what you're trying to do? You know what I mean? Like, which is harder to show up for? Harder. (laughs) Intentionally up to you. I have to do. Uh, This is a great pleasure. Um, It's a great experience for me. Um, I, I, I feel like I spend as much time writing as I do trying to explain to people what a writer is. So I, 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 um, maybe I'm fortunate in, in, in the area that I, I don't sit down both. I would say this both in podcasting, like what we're doing, like, when are we doing this? One o'clock. Boom. I'm good to go. Or writing. I can get up and write. It, it's um, it's not complicated that way. Complicated uh, complications not the right word. Let's just say the the wandering about. Um, it is usually more about the hook, about why am I going to spend months or a year, whatever, writing about Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton? What's the hook? Why am I doing this on Alexander the Great? Why am I doing this on Mary, Queen of Scots? Why am I doing this on Sammy Davis Jr.? Why did I do it on Marilyn? Why did I do it on Wallace? Um, you know, in the Wallace case, it's really specific because as the show opens, you find out um, mm-hmm. after she, she had a home outside of Paris and after she was dead, um, Princess Diana and Dodie Fayed came there to buy it because Princess Diana was being thrown out of England, much like Wallace was. And she literally came to the same home that Wallace Simpson lived in, which just happened to be owned by Dodie Fayette's father. And she looked around it and said, let's do it. Let's buy it. Went back to Dodie's apartment and called her sons, William and Harry, and said, Mommy's moving to Paris. She went out to dinner, got in a car, and was killed that night. That is a hook. That's how, like, why wouldn't you write that story? Like, what the heck happened? So um, that was Wallace. And Marilyn was kind of the same way. I mean, she hated doing photo sessions. She didn't want to see this guy. She didn't want to go to the Bel Air Hotel. Um, She lived four miles away. And she went and did it. And she stayed there for three days, never leaving. Lots of champagne and other stuff, I'm sure. 
She did everything he wanted. Clothes, nudes, fashion. And she was dead six weeks later. That's a hook. So as a writer, I look at that and go, like, well, that's a reason to write about that moment in history. So that's, that's kind of uh, what I have been doing for a while. <laughs> Do you feel like there's um, a hazard of doing it too many times like can you imagine you know if you do so there's three out there's yeah. four coming like is there going to be a point where it's like oh, i feel like i've done this trick over and over and over it's not interesting to me anymore or is it just like there's always going to be a subtlety in the actual hook and subtlety in the story that's adapted or well we'll find out because the elizabeth taylor and richard burton is a two-person um, even though they don't talk to each other, they just talk to the audience. Um, yeah, so that, I, I agree. There could be a, I don't really see it as a burnout. I just uh, see as this is something that excites me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was very fortunate at one point in my life um, where I met, famous one-person playwright named William Lewis. And um, everything, Bill wrote Bell of Amherst. He wrote Barrymore. He wrote Lucifer's Child. I mean, every time he wrote a show, the act, they were all one-person shows. Um, Those actors won the Tony Awards. <laughs> it's just like Bill had this, he was a poet more than a playwright, um, but he was an extraordinary man. And I was very, very fortunate um, that I even came across his path. And he set me on this course of, because I had already been writing for television and adapting uh, mostly novels and the screenplays for movies and stuff. And, but I missed the theater, which is where I was from. And Bill got me back into it um, before he passed away. And so I, I've always been aware of, you know, he did this. <laughs> he created this for me. <laughs> So I just do it. And, and I, I was doing it and then COVID and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, okay, I don't know. What's podcasting? Let's figure this one out. And so I think we have in my world. I mean, I don't, is anyone who goes to the site or here I am talking with you and I do podcasts, which I love doing, but, you know, my podcasts are, they are what they are. They're audio dramas, they're radio dramas, whatever you want to call them. Um, uh, and they're all historical characters. They're not going to be anybody made up. You're going to know who everyone, you're going to know who Alexander the Great is, and you're going to know who Sammy Davis Jr. is. <laughs> I don't think 
there's any surprises. Um, might be in the storytelling. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and that's the part of the podcasting. See, I don't want to give it up. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, great. I've got like uh, two, three shows. <laughs> Another hobby, right? And great. <laughs> I don't want to stop doing this because I think this world, um, the podcasting world, has made my voice better in, in, in terms of how I speak and how I narrate. And that's it. I'll leave it at that. How I narrate, how I tell a story. Can I do it? Hmm. Um, so I look at that. I have so many ideas and so many questions, uh, but I'm watching our time tick away. Uh, how about one more? I uh, I spun off on a tangent after I listened to the three episodes that I did. I spun off on a tangent of like, oh, I have now been irreversibly altered. Like once you hear great music or you know, I'll leave that for people to decide what their definition of great music is. Once you see a great show, like I've, I've seen a stage play that just like blew my mind and it wasn't because it was a complex staging. It was just the, the play itself and the actors. Um, mm -hmm. And once you do that, you're like, there's like an impression on you. The, I mean, like a physical, like you're dented. There's a physical impression on you from ex exposure to that art. And I, what set me off on a sidetrack after I listened was, Oh, this is going to change the way that I imagine how conversation works with the guests. Like it sucks having to talk through a little digital square, but it's way <laughs> easier than flying, you know, across the country. But when I talk to someone now, I find already I'm, uh, it's been a while since I listened, I'm already having these moments of like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And not only is it interesting to me, but it, I'm, I'm thinking that, oh, that would be interesting audio drama. Like I didn't feel like I even had to do anything. It wasn't like I listened and I took notes and I decided this is what the change is that I'm going to make. And now I'm going to do my process this way. It was like having been exposed to good audio drama. Now suddenly I have a taste for audio dramas and I'm looking for audio drama anytime I'm talking to somebody and recording. So I kind of want to just say to people listening, like go listen to Scott's audio dramas or any audio dramas and it, it changes you. Um, and that's kind of what you were just pointing to is when me think of that as you were just pointing to that about doing them changed you. Yes, it did. So I, we're going to flip this. I'm now the interviewer. Um, I have a question for you. And this is not a trick question. And it's not about like, oh, which one did you like better than the other? So, because I thought you said some interesting things about, because it's absolutely true. Wallace Simpson is, a, that is a play that we just went like, okay, how do we record it? <laughs> Close your eyes, and right? Just, we got to get cocktail glasses clinking. We got to get, ah, it was all of that. And then we yeah, got it's to literally Maryland, a cocktail party. <laughs> and the only, other than music, it was really that every time guy is supposed to speak it's just flash bulbs and yes. that's what you hear and then when you get to james dean it's like you talk about a black box there's nothing there he's in the last 24 hours of his life talking to you on a stage saying 7 45 a.m 
I'm up. I'm doing this. My father's meeting me here. I'm doing this. And this is down to 4.45 in the afternoon. I'm clutching down on it. I can't stop it. I'm going to smash into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just ripped out um, half of my body. I mean, it's just... That's only three shows it took me to understand podcast. So my question to you was, in terms of podcasting world, I guess, which one drew you in the most with all the the, the music and cocktail chatter and stuff and the, the talk? Or a uh, guy on. who's literally... He's going to die in 60 seconds. That's the entire show. His, he's dying in 60 seconds. <laughs> I think I was drawn in. I feel like to answer the question, I really should listen to the whole series. But on the other hand, just listening yeah. to one is the best way to answer. Like, which drew you in more? Because it, it should happen in the first episode. I think I was drawn in more by the Marilyn episode. And the James Dean episode, um, there was something like a little out of reach for me. And I don't know if it was just, I'm not that kind of driver, like like the, you know, ah. the whole thing physically moves. And the, I think it was I, near the end of that episode, the first episode of the James Dean series, he begins to describe the car. And oddly, he didn't do that up front. Like only when it wrecks, do we actually start to realize that the thing he's driving is like a frame with some like aluminum can type thickness sheet metal stretched over it and like it it, all it does is go it doesn't really stop or protect you in any way shape or form it's a race car and there was it it was very that episode is very visceral visceral and it drew me in but i connected more i think i was drawn harder into like the explicit negative space in the Maryland episode there were there's like things about the patio and the barrier of furniture and <clears throat> you, you knew that there was an outside world but there was just so much nothing whereas in the James Dean one I felt I kind of felt more like I was in the station wagon like in the in the uh, in the story he's being followed by other people on their way to the race I kind of felt more like I was in the station wagon trying to keep up not that I was lost, but like, I really didn't feel like I was in the car with him, which probably would be a good thing to feel like you're in the car with him. Um, but the Maryland one really pulled me in. And I think it was something about, maybe it was just because the way I listened to them, like the first one was very much a high production, high, high, high production value, a lot going on as you were literally, literally in a cocktail party. And the second one was so much more judicial, uh, surgical with the sounds that I, I, I felt like I should be looking over my shoulder. Like at any moment, these two people are going to notice I'm here and the gig is up, you know, like that kind of experience. I, I think I was trying to most into the, into Maryland. Um, but I'm now I'm wondering, I should listen to all the rest of them. They're not, the series are not long. I should listen to the whole series and then take a break and then listen to the second series and like, and give them what happens if I go further into them. Um, but yeah, that's Absolutely. my rambling answer. Thank you for pointing that out because they are all basically, they are all written as um, one person shows. So they're 90 minutes to two hours at the most. So, and some of them are, some of them are, each episode is a little bit longer than the other, but that's just because we just technically looked at like, where's a natural break. And then Mm -hmm. if someone wants to pick it up after lunch on their drive home or something, they can, whatever. So there was, that's the technical part of it is just figuring out 
because I don't write that way. I just, you know, it's a show. And, but you have to go like, I don't know, are they listening to 20 minutes on their drive to work? And then they want to pick it up in the afternoon or what is it? So that's a really great point about that. Um, But I am quite, that was intriguing that your, your response to Marilyn and then to James Dean was how it went from black box to something you didn't even in motion. I don't even yeah. know where this lives. It's it is an odd piece, um, but it's sort of meant to be that way. And that is my experience with podcasting. To be honest with you, it's just that I went into this. I'm, I, I, I'm a movie writer, I'm a stage writer, I'm a television writer, and these were stage shows. And the in Wallace is a full out stage show. I mean, you hear every glass tinking, you hear like there's just all this music, there's all this stuff going on with it. And then in Maryland, you have a secondary character which is flashbulbs going up that's it you know and then the music and then by james dean it's by that point chesney and i were just working on music Hmm. for all the because i was like no if we have to yes but can we create these noises inside the orchestra um and I think we did. And now I know where we're going moving forward. So, um, good Lord, it's been a great experience for me to have just learned these things in this world. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Someone asked me to do a weekly podcast show, just talk to people. Um, I could probably, I would probably just fall over dead. I don't know if I'd be any good at it or anything, but I enjoyed being on your show and other things. Um, but it's a niche market. It's, it is what it is. Hmm. Yeah. It's theater. It's theater on the radio, as I still like to call it, but (laughs) I wholeheartedly agree. Um, well, Scott, it was uh, everything I knew it would be based on our previous conversation. So I do appreciate you making the time to talk with me. And I, I'm going to say I can't wait to hear what you make next. So thanks so much for taking the time. Well, it will be Taylor and Burton. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Who doesn't want to hear the two of them? argue about stuff in Puerto Vallarta.